0: 6 we're talking about the transformed life and uh, I'm going to read out of Romans 12 uh, because this is where he talks about it but then we'll go to Romans chapter 6 Romans 12:1 says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as I shared this last week, you know, we are the ones who have to present our bodies to God. Nobody else can do that. You know, your spouse can't do it for you. Your children can't do it for you. You have to present your body To the Lord, and he tells us how to present them as a living sacrifice. That means that a sacrifice has to die. So you're the sacrifice, but you're a living sacrifice. So your ways are going to die. His ways are going to live. Amen. Now that we got that straight, Romans chapter six. Verse one. What shall we say then? We too might walk in newness of life. Isn't that awesome? But look, what he's telling us though is is we have to recognize that in our baptism with Christ, in our placing our faith in him, we've died to sin. And now we're resurrecting, we're living, we have the opportunity to live a new life with God. Now, It's not a guarantee that we will walk in that new life. Because the choice is ours. Are we going to present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice? But the offer is there for each and every one of us. Verse 9, Romans 6, 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. This is very important. Verse 10, for the death He died... He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so he died and he died for sin. He died to sin once for all, for us, for our sin, not his sin, our sin. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In other words, this is what he's saying. He presented himself as a living sacrifice unto God. Verse 11. Isn't that awesome the way it starts? So you must also. Or you so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. That's the sacrifice. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's the living part. So this is what we're to continue. This is how we begin to renew our mind. When we're faced with things that are contrary to God, we have the option and the opportunity to say no to it. That's the amazing thing. And this is what he's telling us. We can consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a life to live. When we talk about presenting ourselves to God, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Seeking God's righteousness for our lives. There is a transformation that God is looking for from us since Christ, the Spirit of God, lives in us. He's not expecting us to just live on earth and barely make it by. And barely scrape into heaven. No, He intends for us to have a good life. He intends for us to walk in the newness that He has prepared for us. He has sent Jesus to, uh, to free us from the grip of sin. And once we're saved, He doesn't expect us to go back into that sin. He expects us to rise out of that sin and to live for righteousness, live for godliness. And that brings us to verse 12, Romans 6 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So again, this is a a choice that we have to make because presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice is a choice. It's a choice each one of us will make. Either we will present our bodies to Him or we won't. And He's telling us, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13: Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're taught, instead of giving in to sin, instead of acting on our impulses and everything that the flesh says, and what this world says, God says, you know what? I have a higher calling for you. I have a better life for you. I have a new way of living for you. And it's an invitation for us if we will just answer the call. Let's jump in the middle of that again. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Isn't that the most amazing thing is, is that God can find us in sin and by the Holy Spirit and the faith that we place in Christ, we can turn from that and find a new life to live in God. That's so amazing to me. What a great opportunity each one of us has. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Grace. And so I just want to remind you that we will never be transformed without renewing our minds. We have to renew our minds if we're going to be transformed. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 6 here. But he's also talking about fighting the good fight of faith and not giving in to the desires of the flesh. And I want to give you a clue that has helped me out a lot. I mentioned it back when we were looking in Romans chapter 8 because Paul mentions it there. But I'll, I'll mention it here as well. here's the key that will help you. If you'll put this into practice, you'll, you'll go a long ways with God. Don't focus so much on do not present your members, your bodies to sin. Okay. Don't focus so much on what you can't do. Focus on what God has called you to. Focus more on presenting your members, your bodies to God. When we begin to do that, then the things of this world will just fall, fall away. Because when you start presenting yourself to God and you start seeking after the things of God and His righteousness for our lives, then the things of this world don't even matter. And it seems like, and this is one of the things that I found out in my walk and seeing it in others, the moment we take a step of faith to serve God, Here's what I found out. God will meet us right where we are. And He will help us. He will give us everything that we have need of to continue to walk that walk of faith. The minute we take that step of faith, God's going to be right there and He's going to help us. Now, of course, if you are going to take that step of faith, you also have to know that the enemy is going to be right there too. But who cares? God is there. The last time I checked, my Bible says that he's greater than the enemy. Our problem is, is we're not willing to take that first step. So I want to encourage you to take that first step. He will give you the strength. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you everything else that we need to continue to become all that he has created us to become. And so don't get hung up on what you can't do. Get excited about what you can do and what you can become. I mean, that's what amazes me about my life because I remember when God found me and it was, you know, it looked good on the outside, but it wasn't good on the inside. Hated my dad and everything else and didn't care too much about life. But you know what? When God gets a hold of you, then He begins to work in you, He begins to transform you. I began to read Scriptures and find out that I wasn't in an agreement with God. And so I had to come into agreement with God about my dad. And when I did, he was right there with me. He was there to see me all the way through. If you'll look with me to verse 15, Romans 6.15. Hey, you guys are doing great, listening good. Romans 6.15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Either, and this is the choice. This is the, if you're going to have a renewed mind, this is your battleground. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so we choose and and Paul's telling us, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. So he's telling us, he's encouraging us, present your bodies, present your lives to God. Don't worry about the sin that is going to go away anyway. Present your bodies to God. Start focusing on him and, and the life that he has for you. And then he, he reminds us of this in verse 17. Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Hmm. The world doesn't like standards anymore. They don't like right and wrong. The world wants to be able to choose whatever they want. However they want, however they feel, whenever they feel. But God says, no, he says, once you were slaves of sin because you were obedient. But now from our heart, we have a standard of teaching to which you were committed. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. But that's a choice. It's not automatic just because you give your life to Christ. That just means that you're born again. That just means that the Spirit of God is in you. And that means that hopefully when you die, you're going to heaven. But presenting our lives to Christ is a whole different matter. And that's what God is asking of us. That's the newness of life that God is asking of us when we're born again. Verse 19. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For... Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, mm-hmm. so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Becoming a living sacrifice, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, and becoming transformed, our choices, their invitations. From God for a better life. Now here's the reality of our flesh. We all want a better life. But very very few of us. Are willing to die for it. (laughs) We want the better life. But we don't want to go through the cross. We don't want to go through the crucifying of our flesh. We just want the good life. Without the sacrifice. Well, that's contrary to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, isn't it? To present ourselves as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice means something has to die. But we want the rewards of a sacrificed life, but we don't want a sacrifice. Mm, You don't have to say it, I'm preaching good. So there is no resurrection without a death. And there is no death without a sacrifice. Let me say that again. There is no resurrection without a death. And there is no death without a sacrifice. In the past few weeks, we've looked at how Jesus, you know, He didn't have a renewed mind, but how He stayed His mind on the Father. But... Um, He gives us a pattern that we can follow after. If we will put into practice what He did, then we will begin to renew our minds as well. And a renewed mind finds out the ways of God, what God desires, and then we begin to make every effort to walk in it, and not just think about it, but do it. Okay. Remember, I told you that Jesus said that He only did what He saw the Father doing. He only spoke what He heard the Father speak. And so this is our model to follow after. So we can't just sit around and hope we do and become what God wants us. We have to find out for ourselves what God has for us, what His Word says about us, and then we have to come into agreement with this. I just want to remind you, we, we looked at this last week. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness where the enemy lied to him and twisted the word of God, and yet Jesus resisted him and his lies. Jesus answered him according to, it is written. Okay. Jesus was tempted in the garden. Let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. This is the renewing of our minds that has to go on in our lives. God, you know, He may call you to something. God, I don't want to do that. But you're going to do it because this is what He's called us to. You're going to forgive your dad, Richard, because God has forgiven you. Okay. He doesn't say, do you feel okay about that? He says, no, Richard, this is what you're going to. If you want the good life, if you want to rise above the hatred and the anger that you're experiencing right now, then forgive your dad. Then I had a choice. And so you know what? I want to be in agreement with God. Jesus was tempted on the cross to come down from it and to quit suffering the pain and the humiliation that came with, that, with His death on the cross. He was tempted to come down from that, but He didn't. He was... Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, please. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus was tempted just like you and I, but was without sin. And the scripture says that Jesus became flesh and suffered for us so that you and I could say no to sin and yes to righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 14. Hebrews 2 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. What are those things? Flesh and blood. Okay? That through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Okay? Verse 15. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject To lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And Abraham is what? The father of faith. So his children, that's us. That's us who put our faith in Jesus' sacrifice. Verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. In other words, he had to become like us, he had to be flesh and blood. But not only did he have to be flesh and blood, but he had to be tempted like we are. Okay? Like we are right now with all this smell in this room because the food is smelling so good. I mean, it's a temptation to quit right now. (laughs) Yeah, too bad it's Sunday. (laughs) 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, okay, because he became like us, not just flesh and blood, but he was tempted. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And that's you and I. Isn't that awesome? He suffered though. He suffered through his temptation. So that we would be able to receive help from him. That we would be able to come out of the pit of sin. And live for him. Jesus did all of this willingly for us so that we could live not for ourselves in our sinful pleasures and desires, but for God in his pleasures. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four, please. I am so grateful for a God who knows what it is like to face the battles that I face that we all face. I'm so grateful he isn't hiding behind some religious piety and this, uh, thought of being high and mightier and untouchable. But He knows how we feel. He understands what we see and what we hear. And He meets us right where we are. And He's meeting us to help us. I'm so grateful. Jesus, our Father, God, knows exactly what we are going through. And because He has won the battle, we can win the battle, stay connected with Him. And I am so grateful that Jesus is so merciful and so faithful to God because God's attention is towards us. And so He's merciful and faithful to us. In Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Starting in verse 14. Since then... We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And here it is. And this is what I love. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now this is one of my favorite scriptures. Probably because the older I get, the more I realize I'm so grateful for the confidence that God allows us to draw close to Him with through Jesus Christ. And I find great comfort in the fact that as I come confidently, boldly before Him, I find His mercy and I find grace to help me in my time of need because apparently the older I get, the more I need Him. I'm so grateful that God can sympathize with my weaknesses. And weaknesses is plural, by the way. (laughs) Turn me to Psalm 103. I'm so grateful God can sympathize with my weaknesses that He understands how we are made and He is willing to come to our rescue again and again. And that finds us in Psalm 103. Verse 8. And I do want to tell you this. You ought to just... Mark Psalm 103 in your Bible. Just turn there on a regular basis. Because this is like a life psalm. And I wish I had time to read the whole thing, but we're just going to start in verse 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. But you really need to start at the beginning. And I know that you guys are studious and you'll go back and you'll read it. So, I'm so grateful for that. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Isn't that awesome? Now, look, you and I both know the world doesn't believe that at all. They think he's mean and he's an ogre and he's just trying to make life difficult for us. No, he's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I'll take that over there, God, any day. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, He does not deal with us according to our sins. Hallelujah. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are up, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west and they never meet, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. This is my favorite part of this. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, when I read this, I remember, God, I am just, I'm nothing without you. I'm just dust without. I'm some mud put together. But with you, it's totally different. But I say that because God remembers. He remembers how we are. He remembers that. And I'm so grateful that God remembers. And how we are and he shows compassion. I'm so grateful he doesn't always chide. He will when he needs to, but he doesn't always. And he doesn't keep his anger towards us forever. It may be for a moment, but it's not forever. Have you met some people that have their anger for you? And it's forever. God isn't like that. I'm so grateful for his steadfast love for us. Turn with me to. James chapter one. Yeah, we'll just look at that real quick. James chapter one. We're going to start in verse two, but in verse one, he's writing to the churches who have been scattered because of the. Uh trials and the tribulations and the persecution, the beatings, the killings that they're going through. And so James is writing this. We're going to jump into verse two. And he says this, count it all joy. When you meet trials of various kinds. He must have been related to Mark. You know, I I think I shared last week, Mark just. Lays it out. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just tells you the way it is. James does the same thing. So when they're facing all these trials, they're being or killed. They're, they're being beaten. I mean, the whole world is against them. And He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect And complete. Isn't that awesome? So I take it as we read this. That without suffering. We're not going to be made perfect and complete. We need suffering to do something in us. Hallelujah. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. Everybody say lacking in nothing. Now. Here's what I want you to see. Because I've. Just recently seen this. Verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom. And I used to think that it was just wisdom, you know, like if you just lack wisdom. But he's not saying that here. This is in context of trials and difficulties and persecution and the killings that the church is seeing. And he's telling them, count it all joy when you see all this, when you encounter all of this, because, you know, God is at work in you. But if you're lacking wisdom, in other words, he's saying, look, if you don't understand what the trial is for. God will help you. And he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. In other words, he's not going to look at us and say, oh, you're so stupid. Why didn't you get it? He doesn't do that. He gives us wisdom and it says that he gives it to us generously. Don't you like a generous giver? They're much better than a stingy giver. Because a stingy giver is always reluctant, but a generous giver is always happy to give it. And that's what he's trying to get us to see, that God is he's willing to give us if we lack wisdom. If we don't understand the, the trials, what we're facing, it's okay, God, he, he's right there. He'll give you wisdom. He'll, he'll help you get through it. I know that I've found myself at times that I don't understand what I'm going through. And God says, when you don't understand, you can ask for wisdom and I'll give it to you. If you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, please. And there's a key that Jesus walked in. That allowed Him, that caused Him to walk with the right mind. And for us, a renewed mind. And that key gives gives us the ability to develop our renewed mind. We'll close with this, but I want to encourage you. Uh, we'll ponder this over the next week or so. And the question is, is how did Jesus Walk with a mind stayed on God. Not a renewed mind. That's what we have to do. Jesus didn't have to renew his mind, but he had to keep his mind on God and his word. How did he do that? There's, this isn't the only way, but this is the main way. Okay? Through humility. He humbled himself. And I'm going to close with this, and I want you to think about it for the rest of this week as well. Jesus humbled himself for us. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And he says this. And he's speaking to the believers. And he says, have this mind among yourselves. In other words, let this mind be in you. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. How did he empty himself? By taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in human form, being like man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Look to your neighbor and say, he humbled himself. And then you have to ask yourself, well, how did he humble himself? Because the scripture gives us the answer. By. Everybody say by. By becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Can I tell you something? He's talking about becoming a living sacrifice. Jesus became a living sacrifice in the hands of the Father. Jesus humbled Himself. He stayed true to the Father. He stayed true to the plans and the purposes of the Father. He stood on the Word of God because He humbled Himself. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to renew your mind, if you want to transform life, we have to know the Word of God, but we also have to first humble ourselves. We have to come to the place where we realize that we're not God. And the older I get, the more I thank God I'm not God, because I don't know how he does it. He is like really supernatural. Because there's no way, you know. It's amazing to me. And so I'm thankful I'm not God. So he humbled himself. But I want to encourage you, if you humble yourself. God will do the rest for you. Because Jesus humbled himself, verse nine says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a life. What a life Jesus is living. And it doesn't matter if you're uh, born again or not born again, rich, poor, Educated, uneducated, doesn't matter who you are, how you are, one day you are going to bow before him. And you are going to declare that he is Lord to the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? And the amazing thing is, is God says you can begin to do that now. We as believers can begin to do that now if we will humble ourselves. Stand with Him if you will, please. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He became a living sacrifice for us. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds, Father. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to Be invited to a greater life, a better life, a new life. And Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves and make every effort to find the new life that you have for each and every one of us. The good life that you have planned for us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. And Father, bless the time that we have together for this food and the fellowship, in Jesus' name.